Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. another episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's cheryl glassroom come right back at you here for lakers fast break pop culture cosmos where we cover the latest news and trends in pop culture each and every week twice a week wherever you get your podcast plus also as well game source and inside sports fantasy football the guys from the lakers fast break are going to hopefully be on with me tonight at 8 30 although for magic man that's going to be a tall order indeed so go ahead and join us either later tonight on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel for Inside Sports Fantasy Football, or go ahead and check us out each and every time wherever you get your audio podcast. We'll be talking about Tua, of course, the rise of Miami, and who is the best rookie so far in the NFL. I have a surprise I may want to lay on some people. So go ahead and check that out. Plus, we set your lineup straight for week four in the NFL, so go ahead and check that out indeed. Plus, also as well, Lakersball.com, you know Joe Soro is hanging around as Ox1947 as the trade winds blew into Lakersball.com, and they blew a really, 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 really hard gust of Damian Lillard winds right there for you. So go ahead and check out what he has to say over there. Plus also as well, Simblades, Simblades with a Y.com. Of course, our good friends, Laker Tom, you know he's trying to counter the big trade with a trade of his own. Go ahead and find out what he has to say at Lakerholics.com. Plus our good friend, Jamie Sweet, who is trying to get back on the show. It's just our scheduling doesn't meet always, but he looks to go ahead at the very least host this coming weekend's Lakerholics show. So go ahead and find out what he has to say on his five things articles as well, along with Laker Tom at Lakerholics.com. Our good friends, Empire Jeff TV. And also as well, John McCallion. They have great YouTube channels. Please support it today. You might even see Joe Soro in the chat on Empire Jeff TV. So go ahead and check it out today. And of course, on YouTube. Plus, speaking of YouTube, want to go ahead and before I give the obligatory, please subscribe to us. I want to give a big shout out to Dan, the Lakers fan. I heard he was uh, recently undergoing some issues with YouTube. And I uh, just want to say... Uh, Sorry, because uh, I know that this is a great part of what you do. It's a great part of what you do as far as the living is concerned. So I'm hoping that things will rectify itself. And um, our thoughts from the Lakers Fast Break are with you, Dan, the Lakers fan. I hope everything gets straightened out for you in due time. Quicker, sooner, rather than later. Plus, also, if you can, speaking of YouTube, please subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air. Our goal is to get the kind of numbers Dan, the Lakers fan, is getting. So hopefully you will... Help make that happen by go ahead and clicking on the little Joe. See, there's the big Joe right there, but also as well, the little Joe next to, you know, the one that's scaring, the one that's really scaring 
Magic Man, Sean Grice with the BDIs. Go ahead and click on it today and get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest Lakers Fast Break podcast. Woo! Big day! I know, everybody's... My phone started blowing up from all ends, left and right. Sean, Joe, Nick, Jamie, my my cousins, my friends, my in-laws, all over, talking about the great trade that was done today. Finally, we have a big trade to talk about, and it's Damian Lillard. He is the first to be on the move to my... Oh, sorry, Miami. You didn't get Damian Lillard. Too bad. He's not heading to the nightclubs and the beaches over there. He's actually heading to the nice cold, wintry weather of Milwaukee in a trade, three-team trade today, including Milwaukee, Portland, and surprisingly, Phoenix. I'll give you the particulars right now. As per ESPN, Adrian Wojnarowski, along with Sham Sharanya, broke the news Portland Trailblazers are trading Damian Lillard today. Uh, as far as they, he's going to Milwaukee in exchange. Portland receives Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, Milwaukee's 2029 unprotected first round draft pick. And don't sleep on that one. Unprotected Milwaukee swap rights in 28 and 30. Don't swap out on those two. Those are really uh, interesting trade uh, decisions there. Very, very delectable to say the least. The Suns will receive Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. So there you go, and there you have it in detail. Interesting three-team trade, and I did promise our great chat room, especially with Douglas, give you a big shout-out there, Douglas Gallagher. He asked, we're going to go ahead and line it up as far as on the Suns side. We'll cover what the Suns got and if that was enough to go ahead and distance himself for the Lakers. We'll talk about that on the show today as well. But first up, first man here, good man indeed. He is Ox1947 at LakersBall.com. It is Joe Sorrow. And Joe, great to have you here. Simblades at SimbladesWithAY.com. I actually wanted to go ahead and get me on the phone real quick to get you know do that earlier today. I, unfortunately, I was on the road, so I apologize for that. They always time these things when I'm not here in the office. Your thoughts, though, initially when you saw the trade, does this put Milwaukee, as some are calling now, of course, on ESPN for shock value as the favorite to win the NBA title? It, it, <clears throat> this is one of those things where Milwaukee had to do something, right? Not win championships per se, but there was rumblings happening with Giannis. Mm-hmm. So if anything, if anything, I think this is a move that tells Giannis, hey, we're serious about winning. And they'd rather go in the battle with, and, I, and I'm not, I'm trying to understand why this team won't be good. I think the rumblings I've heard was, well, now they don't have any defense because Dame Willard doesn't play any defense. I'm like, what do you need defense for when you have a guy that can shoot from anywhere on the court and drop Just 30 tell them to. Funnel them to drive to and the how big many trees. More, yeah, and how many more stars you need on this team or how many more effective players? You're going to have the runner-up and the defensive player of the year at center. You have Bobby Portis, who's shown that you know he can be a money player in, in big games. And then you have Dane Willard now, who's going to be motivated, and then you still have Giannis. I think this team, should it stay healthy, uh, should get out of the East at this point. Because you guys know how I feel about the East. The East is – oh, by the way, yeah, uh, 
Middleton's still on that team. <laughs> how do you not? How do you argue against this? Seriously, like I, I, I didn't even get to Middleton at this at that point, right? So Milwaukee right now on paper looks phenomenal. They stay healthy. They're coming out of the East at this point. I have no doubt. Unless Porzingis goes into MVP mode, maybe they might have a shot there. But you're looking at Milwaukee and likely Boston now battling in the East, and I'm curious to see where Drew Holiday ends up because it's already clear that he is not staying in in Phoenix. Does Miami go after him? Would that work? Would it be for someone like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson? I don't know. That's something to to look look after at this point as well. Uh, I know that a lot a lot of Laker fans on Lakers ball were can we can we get Drew Holiday here? Could you imagine having him and Gabe Vincent? playing the perimeter defense a la KCP Alex Caruso of 2020. Uh, I'm kind of, I wouldn't be upset, but I don't really feel it either. I feel like Drew Holiday might be running up on the end of his usefulness in terms of what he used to be. Uh, Maybe he might have one more year in him, but we're going to find out here shortly where he ends up because I believe that's 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 going to be the next uh mystery on where he ends up. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. We truly appreciate you joining us here today. It is the big trade for Damian Lillard as he heads over to Milwaukee with DeAndre Ayton headed to Portland. Sorry, I meant Holiday Portland, not Phoenix guys. Sorry, yes, yes. I meant Portland. Yes. yes. So yes. The thing we'll talk about here in a second is Phoenix here in a second, but DeAndre Ayton and Drew Holiday are the, and also a, a slew of draft picks, either first rounds or first round swaps that are going to Portland. Phoenix is the one that I'm, I'm peculiar as far as why they devalued DeAndre Ayton so much to go ahead and include him in this trade for what they got, because I know that Douglas Gallagher wanted to look at it from that end. And here today to discuss that end, along with what else he wants to talk about. Good man indeed. It is the madman from Toronto. He did get out of Toronto traffic to go ahead and talk about the Damian Lillard trade. It is the magic man, Sean Grice. Sean, you're the man. You're also going to be here later tonight talking to Brendan Nunez on the Kings. You know, we bow down to you as far as the great work that you're doing. And you might even be on later on on Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Triple duty again for you, sir. But I was listening to the Jams, uh, the Suns Jam Session podcast, trying to spike this up for the Suns a little bit. But I don't know, my friend. You know, when you're talking about it and looking at it, uh, and and seeing and evaluating what's going on with this trade for the Suns, I don't know, my friend. DeAndre Aiden for use of Nurkic and some other stuff is just not what I see a good value in return for the Suns. No. Not at all. <laughs> I love how you do that. No. <laughs> Not at all, Gerald. This is like uh, the leftovers um, after um, the Oktoberfest. This is well, let me ask really... you this. Is this how much – is this how devalued DeAndre Ayton is? Oh, for sure. I, I, unfortunately, he's, uh, he's played himself into this uh, predicament. Um, he's wishy-washy, Gerald. You know, there are times when he can be a very uh, dominant force at the rim defensively. 
Uh, and we saw during 2021 that put in certain uh, pick and roll sets. Uh, he's very effective and very efficient. Uh, however, he's also wishy-washy with his motor. Now, there were always questions about his motor, Gerald. There were never questions about his athleticism uh, as a big man. So this has been uh, this has been ongoing for about three years now, Gerald. There there have been rumors about Aiton and the Suns really not seeing eye to eye for about three years, right? And we saw it um, kind of really check, really uh, converge in that 2021 season. Uh, when DeAndre Ayton still didn't have an extension, right? And then they went to the finals. He played exceptionally well. They had no choice but to give him the money. Now, he's basically told everybody, I'm not worth that money right now. Because he's not. Defensively, he really let the Suns down in that series. I mean, Jokic ate him for breakfast. And the Suns couldn't win the minutes with Jokic off the floor, Gerald. That's how bereft of depth they were, basically. They they were kind of relying on Jock Lendell to be a force on them uh, in their front court because Aiton wasn't uh, cutting the mustard uh, as far as effort is concerned. And now he goes to, to a Portland team that's rebuilding and who knows what's going to happen? His career may uh, bloom again, Gerald, or it may just fall right to the pavement. Uh, we're not sure yet. He's got the skills to be a very effective big man. It's just it's mo- his motor, Gerald. That's what's holding him back. And, and I know that both are good rebounders, Sean. Uh, obviously, DeAndre Ayton is younger. Uh, he's a little bit better at the rim. I know that uh, Nurkic, a little bit better passer for the interior also as well. What, he sets better really? screens. He sets better screens, which would help that offense flow better. I get that. But he's also, on. A, you know, I thought, oh, maybe he must be on an expiring. I forgot. He's not on expiring. He still has got three years plus left on his contract. So it's not like they're saving a ton of money. It's not like they're saving a ton of years on this, you know, as far as the player is concerned. You also have a much older and a very often injured years of Nurkic that you're getting in return, Sean. Yeah, absolutely, Gerald. Everything you said was was uh, pinpoint. And unfortunately, what 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 Nurkic ultimately suffers from is that compound fracture back in 2019, Gerald. That really changed his career. Uh, up until that point, he had been a very, very, very good offensive player. And he was a competent defender as well because back then when Terry Stotts was coaching the Blazers, they both had Dame and C.J. McCollum. So they required a lot of hedge, a lot of hedge defense. And they relied on Nurkic to be that big man to hedge. And uh, he was very good at it, Gerald. And then he was competent at it. But then that fracture happened and he became – uh, a serious liability defensively. We saw Portland's numbers as a defense drill the past few years, 25th, 28th, 30th. Um, you know, it was circling the drain, that defense. And, you know, unfortunately, he's a big part of that. I don't really think he helps Phoenix out that much other than being a live body. Uh, 
his efficiency has dropped a bit. You're right, Gerald. That that's not the same. Still a good rebounder, but I, I, I think this is like a wash basically for Phoenix. They've added a little bit more depth, but who knows if that's really going to uh, help them in the end. This is Raphael from NBADraftJunkies.com, and you are listening to the Lakers Fast Break. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. Bring me all of the Star Trek all of the time, and I will be an incredibly happy girl. Even if it's terrible. It's like pizza. Bad pizza is still pretty good because it's pizza. Bad Star Trek is still pretty good because it's still Star Trek. That's the way that I look at it. Just let it sit in the refrigerator for a day and be cool. That's it. Yep. That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC Multiverse. Catch our shows on Worldwide Radio seven days a week and wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is, of course, Magic Man Sean Grice and Joe Soro as well. We're talking to Damian Lillard per trade. As far as the trade, he's going on the way to Milwaukee. And obviously, he's going to go ahead and enjoy his time there with Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Joe, I agree with you. This trade was all about Giannis Antetokounmpo more than it is Damian Lillard. And the fact that you know they really needed to go and show him in Milwaukee that they are trying to build a team that will allow him to stay in Milwaukee or will convince him to stay in Milwaukee for many years to come. And that seems to be the lingering question, if this will exactly do it. Uh, I think that, you know, obviously there's some issues with the defense as far as that's concerned, as we talked about now in the backcourt, but will the frontcourt defense make up for that, that they have with Lopez, with Atentacumpo, is that going to be an issue enough for them to go ahead and be able to still make it out on top in the East? Oh, absolutely. This team is, this team has a two year window to, to win a chat, to win championships. At least you have Dame, you have Giannis, Portis, Brooke Lopez and Middleton as your five. I, I know depth is important, but all they got to do is coast during the regular season get a top three, which I don't see that being a problem, top three seed, and then they're going to roll everyone in the playoffs if there isn't any major injuries to anybody. This is a very, very well-put team. Congratulations to Milwaukee. The only problem is for Laker fans, our Giannis, our little Giannis dream might have just went away. So Might have. Well, I mean, the Lakers can always, always seem to find that player anyway, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry so let me about ask that. you this, though, Joe, coming back at you with his contract, as we talked about on Sunday, which our audience pointed out as far as it's concerned, Damian Lillard's contract is going to be of concern if you don't win in the next one to two years, because as everybody gets older on that team around Giannis, they also get more expensive. Well, Damian Lillard's game is not taxing. He's almost identical in how Steph Curry plays. He might even be even better down the road because he doesn't play as much defense as Steph Curry. But he also has gotten injured quite a bit. Yes, yes. But but I I strongly believe when when you're in a position to start winning, your injuries start to sort of go away a little bit. I guarantee you those injuries are not going to be as prevalent in Milwaukee now as they were in Portland. Like, let's say Portland is 
on the path of going 40 and 42. And Damian Lillard has a hamstring nagging him five games before the season ends, and they're not going to make the playoffs. He's more apt to say, look, I'm just sitting the rest of the year, right? Right? Because it doesn't matter. But if he's in Milwaukee and they're competing for a championship, those ailments will be a little bit more tolerable mentally for him, especially now where he's – this is really the first time in his career. I know LaMarcus Aldridge was like his his second guy, but I I feel like that was so long ago. He's been pretty much playing by himself for the last seven years. So now he has an assortment of help, and one of them is a two-time MVP in his prime. This team is going to be a, a force. It will be. Uh, if you don't want to believe that, then I, I I suggest you watch Milwaukee play this year because they're going to be a they're going to be a problem. Just like any other team, injuries can obviously play a factor in this. I don't see there being a, a chemistry issue. It doesn't seem like Dame Lillard is the kind of guy that ruins locker rooms. I've never heard anything like that. Uh, Giannis is a down to earth type. Never heard anything bad with Bobby Portis. Obviously, Brooke Lopez is great. And then, of course, Chris Middleton. I don't even know what his voice sounds like, let alone hearing anything about what he does. So it this trade is a massive win for Milwaukee. They win this trade, but I believe the other teams might have gotten a little bit of, of some good stuff there too. I know Nurkic is not going to be your – you know, Dwight Howard type, but I think getting rid of Aiton was more a psychological issue than a physical one. I think they just needed to get rid of that guy to just not have to deal with his pettiness and then Phoenix playing with their pettiness and back and forth. So they got rid of him. They got a guy who Nurkic in terms, I know they have have more in that package, but Nurkic is is the main piece. And He'll do his job. He's a nice role player. You got plenty of stars on that team that are going to do their thing, and we'll see what Frank Vogel does from there. And then Portland. I mean, Portland quietly turned from, you know, having a 33-year-old super disgruntled superstar. I wouldn't say disgruntled. I'm sorry. Superstar that was ready to leave. To now you got, in my opinion, what could be 1-1-A or 1-A best player in the draft. And young pieces around them and you're also gonna use uh one of those trade uh pieces to possibly get even more assets with jaw uh, with uh drew holiday so this is this was a great trade for all this was a good trade for all three teams milwaukee wins it but i i'm i was reading it i'm like yeah this this sounds like all three gms did a really good job and of course Messiah Jury did what he does, which is nothing. Uh, the only time he's ever done anything is allowed Greg Popovich to send him a player because he didn't want him anywhere near anything in the Western Conference. Without Greg Popovich, I don't even think Messiah even has any reputation. Maybe he might not be in Toronto because this is—I'd say—that's the biggest disappointment. Miami, Miami was always a no chance. They were Masai, not Masai, Masai really made his name off Carmelo Anthony's uh ignorance and the New York Knicks stupidity. 
Carmelo Anthony was ready to be a free agent, just signed with the Knicks outright. And the Knicks had a great team surrounding him, but they gutted it for Melo. And that's how Masai made his bones. He's been breaking balls ever since, as we know. He's got to win the trade. It, it's not. It's not enough. It's not enough to get the best player. He's got to win the trade. So he was never going to be a part of this. Uh, I mentioned that in the email. I think it was all smokescreen. And you know, we'll we'll see what uh, what happens with uh, that pick. But you know, the chickens are going to come home to roost uh, for the Bucks, like it's it did with the Lakers back when uh, we won our championships. And what's happening to the Clippers now because of the salary cap and other teams. But when that pick comes due for the Bucks, Giannis will be 34 and Dame will be 38. And there's no telling, Gerald, whether or not Dame Lillard will still be in the NBA at age 38. So go ahead. I was going to say, uh, no, let's finish up, my friend, because then I'll put on Jamie right after. Go ahead, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Before, um, so... From from that perspective, they I still think they're the second best team in the East. I thought they were the second best team in the East before the trade, and I think they're the second best team after the trade. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. It is the Magic Man Sean Grice, Joe Soro, and me, Gerald Glassford. Thanks so much for listening. It is the Damian Lillard trade that sends him to Milwaukee in a three-team trade, but also here today, good man indeed. you got to go ahead and check him out today at Lakerholics.com, along with so many of the great things that they do at Lakerholics.com, plus all the great conversations and more with Laker Tom and everybody there at Lakerholics.com. It is Mr. Five Things himself. It is Jamie Sweet. Uh, Jamie, your initial thoughts on the trade Again, I see, uh, unlike Joe, I don't see a win on all sides. I will go ahead and thanks so much again to Darren. I'm going to give you a big shout out here in a second. We'll make sure we answer that question for you after after Jamie. I will make sure I post that on the screen because we truly appreciate your, your generosity in the super chat. But I don't think Phoenix came out of this very well out of this trade. I still am at a loss why they gave up Aiton for just a, a really smaller amount of pieces on it. So I'm really not that... If I was in Phoenix, I'd be kind of miffed. But your thoughts on the trade, my friend? I mean, I, I think that DeAndre was always going to be an issue. They under they they lowballed him. They wanted to lowball him. They wanted to underpay him. The only reason they paid him as much as they did is because of Indiana. That was a that relationship always had a always had, was always attached to a fuse and a bomb, and that fuse just kept getting shorter and shorter. And he's you know he's going to be. The Embiid, I mean, he's not as talented as Embiid, or but he's going to be the Embiid of Portland. He's going to suck defenses in. He's going to play around the rim. He'll give you know the young guys a polished you know play finisher around the basket, and he'll he'll get minutes. He'll get minutes, and he was not going to play more than 20, 25 minutes a game in Phoenix. Because they're not, they're gonna, they're gonna have, they're gonna try to be Warriors 2.0. They're gonna try to go with, they're gonna try to get away with five minutes at the end of games with Durant at center. They're gonna go, you know, and if that's the case, there's no, what are you paying it? What are you paying Nathan for? You, you, you just got out of Aiton's contract, you know. I think Nurkic, right? Nurkic or Yurkic? I can never remember. Nurkic. 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 Thank you. 
uh, Nurkic's deal is up after this season, I think. And so they're going to be able to free up cap space that they want to use to keep these shooters together two seasons. I, I thought there was an option. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's not a team option or something, or maybe maybe the last year isn't as guaranteed. I thought there was something yeah, that I w- beneficial to the in the final year of the season uh, of, of his deal, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, Are you about Nurkic? Yeah, but anyway. No, he's got three solid. He do, he's a he's he's a free agent in 2026. Oh, that makes less sense than to me. I thought yeah. there was a Yeah, I, I, I was going to say he's, I was listening to a pod earlier. He's got three more years on that deal, so Yeah. They're all in the like, teens it's a, though. It's nothing like a, over, nothing it's like a, over it's like a, still, I mean, he's this, he's this, like he's a professional. He's not going to whine like Aiton did. He's not going to, you know, Aiton have the whole thing blow up with Monty Williams in the playoffs. All of that gets to go away now. All of that goes away, and they have a fresh start at the five, and they have a guy who's just going to be happy to be winning games again uh, from a team that wasn't winning. You know, that as as it was constructed, it just wasn't winning. It just wasn't working. Dame couldn't lift him enough. Uh, you know, Jeremy Grant couldn't do whatever Jeremy Grant does enough. Yerk, Nurkic couldn't do whatever. It, it just wasn't working. Uh, and Scoot Henderson coming into that mix wasn't going to change that no matter what the GM thought. Um, I gotta say kudos to that guy, John, uh, something rather Cronin, right? Uh, Joe, Joe Cronin, Cronin. Joe, Joe Cronin. Cronin, kudos to that guy for holding, holding his cards close to his vest, uh, getting probably the best deal you're going to get. Uh, you know, you've got some nice role players and, a a, a, a possible superstar center, very least, you know, a, 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 I would say an upgrade over Nurkic. Nurkic is solid. He's a double, double machine. He's going to get your rebounds. He's going to find his way into 10, 15 points a game. But he's not going to be – he's never going to pull anybody towards him. You know, he, they're going to put a smaller guy on him, to, you know, and that's going to work okay in Phoenix. It's not – it wasn't ever going to work that way with Dame. And nobody's – Dame's got the LeBron problem. Nobody's leaving a bad player to leave him open. He's facing a guy no matter what. And so that's the only thing that I see is the win for Milwaukee in this because Milwaukee got older. Milwaukee got less, measurably worse on defense. Like, (laughs) that's going to be a problem, especially if Middleton can't recapture Middleton pre-knee injury, um, which I don't know that he can, uh, given his age. So, you know, this this was a win-this-year move for uh, Milwaukee because I can easily see them, if they don't win, everybody asking out. Everybody who makes more than thirty million saying move us, ship us, rebuild. Maybe not Middleton because I feel like you know he's got a a, a, a a kernel of loyalty and they kind of really gave him his shot. You could argue the same with Giannis though. Um, but if if they have another first second round flame out, I wouldn't be surprised if Dame asks out. Honestly, I wouldn't be too surprised if Dame asks out before for the trading deadline, uh, which you know. Uh, he, he didn't want to go to Milwaukee. <laughs> That's sort of the elephant in the room that uh, everybody who I've heard talking about this seems to want to not talk about. But he didn't want to go there. So if they're not winning uh, and he's like sacrificing shots or feels like it's just not the right situation for him, I, I, I same, same, same thing. So I, it's, it was a ballsy move by the Bucks because this is a win this year move. And if they win this year, then, yeah, you run it back. You hope for the best. 
you know, but Brooke Lopez turned in a great year on his just post back surgery contract year. Brooks, everybody's got to play at least as well as they played last season, if not a step better on defense. I don't know that that's the kind of coach Adrian Griffin is. This is his first year as a coach, Ricky head coach with a lot of veteran presences, a guy who makes a ton of money for a long time, who doesn't necessarily want to be there. So that's going to be a challenging situation up and down the roster across the board for that entire organization. And it was all designed to make one player happy. And you have to imagine this had input from Giannis. If it comes out that it didn't, if it comes out in a day or two or on media day or whatever next week that Giannis was blindsided and is like, oh, that was the guy I want to, you know, that's going to be a big problem. That's going to be a big problem for a Ricky Hood coach to just say like, hey guys, can't we all get along? So it's a curious, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, but it confirms what I always say about the NBA. We can always BS back and forth about this trade and that trade, and it's always the trade you don't see that gets made, almost always. And to that, Laker Tom is already throwing up trades over on Lakerholics.com for the Lakers to acquire Holiday. Uh, unfortunately, we can't make most of those deals till after December 15th, any of them really. So I kind of expect Portland to flip Holiday, mainly because they have a logjam at guard. You would imagine that they would want Holiday's minutes to go to Scoot, to go to Simmons, unless they're going to go with the legendary Frank uh, Darvin Ham three-guard lineup, which if that's the case, that, that, that lineup will score a lot, and they might be able to run some teams out of the building who just want to kind of play it easy in the regular season. Uh, you know, OKC, uh, Memphis, how Memphis, you know, played a couple seasons back. So, uh, you know, I thought that Portland did as good a job moving on from a disgruntled superstar as you can do, and that they got complimentary players now. They might not have gotten the hall of draft picks that Utah got for Gobert, but that was always one of the most absurd trades anyone had ever seen anyways. And there was no way that was going to be replicated forever into the future. Like I, I don't, I'll never know what possessed, I'll never know what possessed Minnesota to make that deal. Other than that, they're complete, completely incompetent at running a basketball team. Um, I, you know, I, I agree with I agree with Sean. I, I don't I have the box at like the second, third best team in the East. I still think Miami's better. Miami's about to run it back minus two role players. And yeah, Gabe and Struce showed up big in the playoffs, but they weren't instrumental in getting them to the playoffs. Miami had a solid record all season long, plays hard. They still got Bam. They still got Jimmy. They have a, a reinvigorated, uh, you know, a, a freshly minted Tyler Hero, who you would imagine doesn't much care one way or the other where he plays based on at this point, as long as he, as long as he gets to shoot a lot and make more money, you know, and, and Spoh's going to run a tight ship over there. So I don't see there being a lot of slippage from Miami. And honestly, I didn't see Dame as being the key to unlocking Miami. Miami's a Miami's like the old Spurs team. They just want to keep it under a hundred. They want to play a dirty, gritty game of basketball every night. And, they're happy fighting in the mud. Dame's not a fighting in the mud type of guy. So they're never going to win a championship. They can get away with it in the least in conference, but yeah, they, no, they need I, a Dame. I, I, they, I, will, they, I, I, I would say I, will. I would agree with that. I would agree in the playoffs that you need a guy who can shoot lights out and doesn't has not a, a shred of doubt in his ability or shot, and that on the Heat, unfortunately, that guy is Jimmy Butler, who isn't the best pure scorer in the game, but. He gets by on grit a lot of the time. 
uh, which does have a shelf life. Um, I don't know. I thought that I thought that you know I still expect to see Miami in the thick of it. I I think Boston's still the team to beat in the East. Unfortunately, I don't like saying that, just on you know personal for personal reasons. But, but can we get to a? I just want to get to a question here real quick from sure. Darren, who's uh, again put that. Truly appreciate him him uh, donating to us as far as the super chat is concerned. He said, Gerald and Cruz, should we try to get Drew Holiday in December if he's available? If he's still available, that's the question, guys. I put out to you. That's the thing. He will probably most likely be moved before then. The Lakers do not have enough assets now to go ahead and get him. But I'll field the question here back to Jamie real quick to let you finish up. Uh, you know, is Drew Holiday an individual that you want to go ahead and see after if he's still on Portland, which I'm guessing he probably won't be? I guess I'm no, I doubt it. I would actually expect some teams. I, I mean, I kind of expect him to next be moved or be part of a multi-team James Harden deal uh, that maybe he ends up in Philly. Maybe he ends up somewhere where that, you know, just to make the money work. I really don't expect Drew Holiday to start the season as a blazer. I think that that's a, a, an extreme long shot. Having said that, I would love for him to be a Laker. He's a perfect point guard for the AD-LeBron tandem because he plays off ball well, because he rebounds well, because he plays good defense. He's not going to be your go-to scorer. We don't need him to be. we got plenty of guys who can put the ball in the bucket. That would be my quick take on that one. Joe, what are your thoughts now with, again – what you're seeing from this trade. Do you think that the Lakers, first of all, again, I do not think Drew Holiday will still be a member of the Portland Trailblazers come December or January when the Lakers finally get enough assets to go ahead and make in the trade. But let's just say for, for, you know, for laugh's sakes that he is going to be available at that point in time. Is he somebody that the Lakers should pursue at that point in time when they have enough trade assets available? No. Why? Because he I, plays better backcourt defense than anybody in the NBA. I'm saying no because it's 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 counterproductive at that point. You'd have to have D'Angelo and Rui not playing well the first two months of the year or a month and a half. And then at that point, are you still winning with those guys struggling? And will Portland want those guys for Drew Holiday? Why? They're going to want assets. They're going to want some kind of a – First round pick, and for for me, I, there isn't a first round pick uh, worth giving it to Drew Holiday. I, I don't, I don't see him being a, that much of an impact between uh, D'Lo and Rui, let's say. And and the reason why I use those two as the trade pieces is because that's really the only two that make sense, and that contracts would match. There's this constant greener on the other side mentality that keeps festering this offseason. It's getting tiresome. It's a lot of the reasons why I want the season to start. Stop trying to trade every goddamn day. This is what got us in trouble before. Are you guys brain dead? When I say you guys, I'm talking about the people out there talking about it. Okay. At what point are you going to learn your damn lesson? Stop trading every time somebody takes a dump next door. I mean, seriously, like that's, it's like I, I'm, I, I called you today to, to talk about, wow, Dame went to Milwaukee. That was my first thought because now I'm worried that we're not going to get Giannis. And then it turned into this, are we going to get Drew Holiday? 
now? What? What the hell does that have to do with, with the trade? Like, no, it was just a, it was just a question that somebody's asking. Is something it wasn't just be available? A, a question. It, it became like a tidal wave, mm-hmm. and and that's that is the society of what have you done for me in the last forty four tenths of a second culture? Like you, everything's about oh, can we get can we go trade for this? Like, for, where's the common sense in that? Where's the common sense in trading? And especially a guy who struggled in that first round against Miami, which I find kind of comical that are, are you going to tell me now that Miami's going to beat Milwaukee with the same talent? I know Tyler Hero didn't play. Maybe that might help. I don't know. But, I mean, I, I just can't wrap my head around how Milwaukee didn't just come up. They just added a first ballot Hall of Famer that can still ball next to a – two-time MVP who was in his prime prime and a bunch of guys around him that can play and have won championships and aren't locker room cancers. So how are you going to convince me that this team didn't improve? And Brett, I'm more worried about the Lakers meeting Milwaukee now in the finals, should the Lakers make it to the finals, because that's going to be a team to deal with. Guys, someone who can shoot from 30 feet like he's making a layup, those guys are problems in those games. Sean, do you feel the same way or, or your thoughts? Just let's say, well, let's, let's can... go trade everybody. Let's go. I'm just putting it out there. Just, just say, cause you know, Sean and I had this conversation beforehand. We're going to be honest and upfront with everybody out there. We just pound pondered around. Would you be interested in that type of package doing a combo? Cause that's what it would take with what is owed out there is essentially a drew for, Rui and Delo package on that. Would you be even contemplating that if it should come to pass during December, January? No. Okay. However, I did tell Gerald that if it was a choice between Delo and Drew Holiday, of course you take Drew Holiday. That, but Gerald—that's how Gerald framed the the question. But well, Darren I, framed a question, and we well, truly appreciate it. Sean yeah. just said something that make that, that makes sense about what we're talking about. They could have waited. The Knicks could have waited for Carmelo to be a free agent. They didn't. They gutted their team because they wanted the flash. They wanted the trade. They wanted the the BS that people are are, are infatuated. James with, Dolan right? wanted to win the headlines again. Right. Though. He wanted to win the headlines. It became a selfish, stupid decision which is what most people do. They want the notoriety. They want the, um, I made this, right? We don't, anyone who's got a half a brain, not even a full brain, an actual half a brain, should know that at the end of the day, especially in sports, it's about winning it all when you have a chance of doing it. And if you feel like you want to be Jerry Jones, to the point where, hey, how come he got all the credit? I'm the owner. Mother, he's the guy that coach. He's a guy that, that that does that. You're just a guy that put together some business and we're able to buy a company. And you've always said that, Joe, and it's 28 years of karma. Of karma Guys, it's not rocket. Exactly. It's not rock. James Dolan. I mean, there was no better freaking example that you could have used except in the Knicks, right? Like, no better. Masai He's got was, a nice fear here in Las Vegas. I was Vegas. going after Masai. <laughs> I was going after Masai, and Masai has a little bit of a fault there too because he's always thinking I have to win the thing, right? 
So Danny Ainge has that sickness too. The problem with Danny Ainge and Masai is they're always going to be able to live off their 2019 title and 2008 title, right? But the thing is, when you look at the heart of those two titles, Kevin McHale handed Danny Ainge Kevin Garnett. Greg Popovich handed Masai to Toronto to send him away as far as they could have sent him from the Western Conference. It, it, it had, if, 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 if Pippi Longstocking was the GM of Toronto, he still would have sent Kawhi to Toronto. So now, where are we at? We're talking about a problem now in Milwaukee. Talking about a problem now, at least on paper, right? I'm more worried about that than worrying about trading every goddamn player we have in the next three weeks now. I'm just I'm just kind of putting that on the table. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Hey, Lakers fans. Looking for the best place to go for up-to-date news, information, original videos, articles, podcasts, opinion pieces, and discussions about the Los Angeles Lakers? Well, look no further than Lakerholics.com. With a legion of followers always there talking about everything Lakers and the NBA, there's no better place to go to share your fandom as the team heads toward another championship run. So stop by and be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.com. Once again, it is the Lakers fast break. Damian Lillard did get traded to Milwaukee among the pieces that get sent over to Portland in exchange are DeAndre Ayton and Drew Holiday. Three draft picks, two swaps, actually, and one first-rounder, all 28, 29, and 30-related. Plus, also as well, Phoenix gets Yersef Nurkic, Grayson Allen, and some other spare pieces as well. And, and Gerald, let's, let's not, uh, let's not uh, bury the headline here. Great. Okay. We have to deal with Grayson Allen. That's well, six, unless he gets four, traded. That's six four. That's six four. Puss bag. Who's rather break somebody's Gerald? He purposely tried to injure Alex Caruso. Okay. Do you remember do. that play? I do. I do. But that's he's got a laundry list of people who he's he does. To he does. He does. But if you remember that play, he purposely like. Here's the thing, Gerald. If he stays got, on Phoenix. Got guys like Bruce Brown and Zaza Pachulia were dirty players, all right? But I never held it against them, and here's why. Because they weren't dirty guys. They were coached up to be dirty. Grayson Allen is a little runt, Gerald. He has been since his time at Duke. No, I'm Tell serious. us how you, yeah, tell no, us how you really feel. Gerald, with the military background, that Mike Krzyzewski has. He went to Gerald. He's a graduate of West Point. I still don't understand how a little like that ended up on his campus. And he's a little puss bag to me. He's He's got a lot of flaws defensively. And the only reason he makes a living in the NBA is because he's a friggin' goon. At least Dylan Brooks has a semblance of talent. And he's a really good defender. Grayson Allen is none of those things. And I'm tired I'm tired of seeing him in the NBA. And you know what? If Phoenix knows what's good for them, they will trade him. But I don't think they will, Gerald, because Phoenix 
does what they normally do. They make a good move, and then they decide, we're going to circle the drain. Well, I don't love the Nurkic deal for them at all. And, and Grayson Allen, you know, it is what it is. Dirty player, can shoot 39% from three. Doesn't do much else for you. Again, we saw him. He has the biggest embarrassment of all in the playoffs of last year. We saw him mm-hmm. as he, uh, you know, couldn't even call the timeout. You know, and we saw what happened there. So, you know, karma came back to him. But I really think when it comes to this trade, Joe, when it comes to this trade and then you see what's going on with the parameters of it, I really think Portland got for sending out their, what is arguably their all-time greatest player, Joe, I really think they got a nice, a really, really nice haul. Not a perfect or great haul, but I think for what was asked under this time frame that they did want to go ahead and make sure they didn't have them in camp to go ahead and intrude on the young guards, including Scoot Henderson, that they have there already. I really think they went out and got something better than the Miami trade. I like it better than the Miami trade. Oh, say. for sure. For sure. And, and Some people are saying no, but I am. I no, am. no. Miami. So I... Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. Miami had no chance in this trade, and it, it it became very clear probably about a month ago, really, because once you started not hearing enough compromise in the in the trades, you and what I mean by compromise is what's what are you going to do to adjust to what you originally wanting to get wanted to give. They said no. They don't want Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, and a couple first-round picks. They don't want that, which I wouldn't have taken that either because I don't think those guys are worth those contracts, right? And they're already planning on trading Drew because of that kind of same reason, and I think it's a little easier to trade Drew Holiday because he's only got, what, another year on his contract, and he's got a bigger number too. So, And there's going to be a team out there that's going to want him. Matter of fact, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they send him to Miami. <laughs> They actually could use them in Miami. Don't be surprised if they do that trade, yeah. uh, which would be kind of funny if they ended up getting, let's say, a Duncan Robinson or a Tyler Hero for Drew Holiday. I think that would be poetic if that happened. But at the end of the day, the Toronto thing had some legs. But, of course, a little bit of me also said Masai doesn't want to at least be par with these guys. So is that really going to happen? Well, you got that answer today. When I heard Milwaukee was interested, my first thought was, is Milwaukee really going to be able to afford all this? For now. You know, you're talking about those guys. Are, well, remember I told you guys with Giannis, you know, I, I didn't understand his, his, well, we have to compete. I'm like, Milwaukee, which is a very small market, and they don't have the kind of advertising money in New York and L.A., are they going to be able to deal with the first and second aprons once they start creeping up there? Because you've got uh, right now you have Damian Lillard on the back end of that contract, Sean and Joe. Yeah. yeah, that one is going to what you talked about, about 65. I think you talked about 65 million dollars on the last year of his contract. And then if you sign, if you're fortunate enough to sign uh, to the Kumpo to an extension, you're talking about several years in the 50, 60 and possibly reaching into the 70 million dollar range there what so. what, what milwaukee is going to need to do i mean they have they have some outs it's actually not a bad setup i think bobby portis is only making like 11 12 million dollars that's not a hard contract to move if you had to and then you have one more year left after this year with brooke, brooke lopez so i don't 
they're not, they're actually not in a bad position should they need to uh, shave off some salary. What they will need to do is they're going to need to get hit some hit some jackpots in the draft late late in the first, which you know that's a story for another time. But I believe the 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 the, the Bucks uh, just won in this trade a lot, and they're they're going to be a, a force. And then as far as what Miami is going to end up doing um, in Toronto, Toronto, I, I'm telling you, Masai and D- Danny Age look – they're twins. You're, you're not going to see anything other than people leaving or them not making the deal that matters. That's 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 where, where, where what Toronto's future is. Miami, I you know, the Godfather is there. There's a culture there. They'll win. But it's not an accident that every time they get to the to the finals, they get their asses whooped. Even even though they played their asses off in 2020, this last finals they were dead. Like they couldn't even barely play. Um, they should have been swept, just like you had predicted. They should have. They they gutted it out enough to win one game, but they should have been swept because they were pretty much spent. But uh, in 2020, they they went into god mode as long as they could, but they still weren't. It wasn't like you were really worried. Could just see it. You could see when the Lakers were on, they couldn't lose. And then when they did sneak out a couple wins, in the end, game six, they ran out of gas and the Lakers ran them out of the gym. Look, a small part of us always roots for the Godfather. Always will, unless they play us. Uh, but, the, you know, it. no, Gerald, it's true. It's true. Look, despite the fact that they lost in five, you know something? They were up 3-0 on the Boston Celtics. They were up 3-0 on the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the Boston Celtics have to live with the fact that they couldn't come back from 0-3. And do you think those cheese chowder heads would have went to town on that, potentially going to a Finals? I mean, Jokic would have ripped out their their, their hearts. But the, the fact remains is that those those chowder heads would have tried to live off that finals appearance again. But the fact is, is that the last one, two, they're down for the count. And you know what? I, I'm I'm not as high on the heat as Jamie is. Uh, it's hard to know where that compass is right now, Gerald, because mm-hmm. there, there are a few outstanding issues in the NBA that need to be resolved. They kept their picks, and somebody like Carl Anthony Towns is still out there. And somebody is disgruntled about every other six months in the NBA drill. I agree with Joe. I think the Heat will be fine. I think the Heat will be fine. I don't see them repeating as a finals team unless something, uh, unless two big seismic moves are made by them. They'd have to do two, not one. Uh, so I don't see that happening. That's usually not their their uh, mo either. Overall, the Bucks. Uh, I agree with Joe. Overall, the Bucks won this trade. Uh, I'd give the Bucks an A. I'd give the the Suns and Blazers both C's that could turn into B's. I disagree with you on the Blazers. I really disagree with you on Brilliant Blazers. I really think that they are the winners in this trade uh, because uh, I think that you have to, if the Bucks don't win short term. Uh, I think it's going to look better and better for Portland just because you could still move Aiden and get some assets there. You could move Drew Holiday and get some real assets there. So there's a lot more that you can get to build your team. 
plus the fact that you've got again if you want you could go ahead you still got those three number one picks you've got a 28 29 30 one is unprotected full number one Gerald, the other two what, are unprotected the, swaps right 29. right yeah right 28 what? 29 i believe Right. And what it also symbolizes is that they're betting on Scoot Henderson and Shaden Sharp at this point. That's a pretty safe, that's a pretty good bet. Uh, I'd Scoot, again, I, I think we'll do well, pretty good in this league. We'll see about Shaden Sharp as well. But they're they're basically anticipating being a contender in 2028 and potentially having a, a juicy pick, Gerald. If you have you, Scoot, if, if Scoot is John Morant with a brain, ooh, you got to. You got. So, you're not. You're not gonna feel too bad for too long. We'll see. We'll we'll see how that works out. Again, I'm really hot on Scoot. I've seen him in person. I really think he'll do well. But that's just me. Again, I could be wrong on that. You'll see. As far as talent evaluation and draft evaluation, it's always touch and go on that. But Alice brings a good point. Before we head on out, what superstar is coming to Lakers in two years now that the Greek freak isn't? Uh, it looks never more and more like never. he'll. Start. Yeah, never, never say, say never. never. On the, yeah, never say never on Atentacumpo yet. We'll see if that does implode. It's or, never, or, guys. But, it's over. Yeah. He's not coming. So who who is the new fascination for Lakers? No fans? one. There was because only he... one small. There was one small gap somewhere there, but that's not going to happen either because he's going to sign the supermax. That's Jason Tatum. Okay. It's so over. no Luca. Giannis no... was the guy. Giannis. Giannis put the uh, the feeler out there this summer, and that that got me like, ooh, ooh. If they don't, if they don't get this thing, if they don't get this ship right, then then maybe he might test the waters a little bit in two years. But now, I don't think it's going to happen. Now I think he's got the team he needs. So this does this put definitively for the Phoenix Suns? Let's get back to them as far as in relation to the Lakers before we head on out. And th- let me ask you this: when it comes to the Lakers. Sean, does it make Phoenix a, a just an existential favorite above Denver now, above the Lakers, above anybody else in the West? I don't think it does. Again, I think they take a step back in the trade, unless Yusuf Nurkic, you know, does not look like the player he does in the past two seasons. Yeah, I'm not sure what uh, Nurkic Jamie's watched in the past couple of years, but the one I saw will will not. Uh... Uh, help the Suns ascend in the Western Conference. Um, I know we've I, always talked about, you know, man, if we only had Bubble AD back, man, if we only had Bubble AD, what about in Portland where they've been asking for years? Only if only we had Bubble Nurkic oh, back. Back, yeah, that's that's when the worm turned, Gerald. That compound fracture, and then the bubble. Yeah. I think that I think that, Portland's that saying a lot it. more than that. How about yeah. what? Okay, how about God, why did you destroy Bill Walton's feet? Why did you kill Brandon Roy's potential? Why did you end Odin's. Greg Oden before he could start? Sam Bowie. Why didn't we get Arvita Sabonis in the early 90s? I mean, Portland. Jeez, Portland. Hey, is- hey, they're the ones. They're the ones. They're the ones who gave up on Jermaine O'Neal. Not the other way around. Okay, I get it. They gave. That, they gave. They gave. Almost, almost a Hall of Famer away, away, because they thought that uh, their ex-cons, Joe, would would take him to the top. Now, I love Bonzi Wells as a basketball player, but as a person, not not so much. I think Portland, 
definitely has gotten uh, a little bit of a curse on Look, them. they've gotten the short end of the stick historically. There's no doubt de- there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. But they they do have the one banner. And they have you know, less we... targets now too, by the way. So do you think they got definitively better, Sean, or worse with today's trade in Phoenix? I think they got Oh, given the choices? Because they got your favorite player in the league along with them. Given the and choices. Nasir Little. And Keon Johnson. Who that's they a hard play. question to answer because if I... They well, that's what our Lakers fans want to know. Yeah, well, they didn't get definitively better. That's for sure. I no, don't think they did. Not at all. I don't think they got definitively worse, though. Okay. Because he does provide certain things. A healthy Nurkic... Yeah, this is like rebounding. This is like when you're when you travel when you're you're traveling and you got a half a tank of gas, mm-hmm. and you've got to decide, Gerald, because it's sixty miles. There's there's nothing, so you got to decide whether you want to fill up or take a chance. Well, they're taking a chance with Nurkic. They're taking a chance because they're like you said. You said it earlier, and it makes a lot of sense. There's another move to be made. There the they're over the limit for for roster spots, so they're obviously going to waive Keon Johnson. They're probably going to waive uh, Ish Wainwright, but they still got to make a couple moves, Gerald. And they, yeah, I think they need another big, like they really do at this point. Because uh, if Phoenix and Phoenix Suns fans are relying on Bowl Bowl to help them out this year, watch like the last two months. Of our pods last year before the playoffs started between me, Joe, and Gerald talking about Mo Bamba. Because that's what you're going to get with Bull Bull. Mo Bamba was a benefit in the end. We got rid of cackle face Patrick Beverly. I knew you were going to say that. Bull Bull no, in theory no, is better than Bull Bull in practice. Yes, I you did. didn't know I was going to say I, that. Yeah, I did. Absolutely. I, I knew like you were going to wear a Raiders of the Ark shirt today. They're great 2K players, right? Bull Bull and Mo Bamba. I'm glad you did. Mo Bamba no. served a public service in getting rid of an anus pimple off the team. Patrick Beverly was a was a very... Uh, Is that descript- descriptive enough? Very descriptive. sour. sour. Yes. Oh, and Gerald... Uh, I just like how Sean ignored it. It made it funnier, actually. <laughs> Oh, Gerald, I'd like to also point out uh, a bit of uh, peripheral uh, NBA news. Tony Allen, Boston Celtic, Memphis Grizzly fame, is avoiding jail time for the the dental scam that he was a part of, Gerald, with uh, Mm -hmm. his other cohorts. He's not going to do federal time like Terrence Williams, Keon Dooling. So just wanted to point that out. And as you stated, Gerald, that was probably one of the dumbest insurance scams I've ever seen in my life. Uh, who, who did it? Yeah, when you did that, when, you, when you're signing on as far as in the, on the dotted line on that, who, who do you think you're kidding? Who do you, you don't think you're going to get caught? But yeah, the I digress. Uh, just crazy. Absolutely crazy indeed. But before we head on out, guys, uh, final thoughts on the trade. I know in less than an hour, Sean, you go back on the air talking to Darren Nunez. Hopefully, Joe will be with them uh, as far as talking to Sacramento Kings. And then I'll be on the Pop Culture Cosmos, hopefully with these guys as well, along with Chris Sardieri, Inside Sports Fantasy Football. But 
Guys, uh, any last thoughts on the Damian Lillard trade? We've had a nice crowd tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Please like and subscribe to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air. Can we get to 30 likes, please? We've had as many as 40 people in the chat. Can we get 30 likes, please, before we head on out? Guys, your thoughts on the, the Damian Lillard trade? I, again, I think it was great for Milwaukee, great for Portland. Phoenix, I'm still kind of have to wait and see on that one. Let's, let's just put it that. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the Bucks they get an A. I give a solid C to the Phoenix Suns because that's like depth moves, and I don't really see this one panning out for them. It's more of um, Flotsam Judson to me, Gerald. That's... And Portland, I give them a C plus as well. That could turn into definitely a B. I think that's a move that uh, obviously could springboard and, and tentacle into other asset acquiring as well, Joe. That's true. They got Holiday. They could acquire assets with that. However, it, it'd be a separate it'd be a separate move than than this one in particular. And this one, Cronin only gets one pick, two swaps. So I thought he could have done a little bit better with the, the picks. Joe, any last thoughts, my friend, before we head on out? Yeah, uh, the, the, the league just got a little bit, or the title run got a little bit harder today. When you, when you win a championship, you got to worry about the East, uh, it seems like, or the other conference, I should say, because I think we get lost in this while Denver and Phoenix is the main problem. Sure, because you play those guys four times a year, likely. Um, and then obviously you got to deal with them in the playoffs should you run into them. But this is a problem for championship 18 as well. If they go into the East and start really, really balling and Damian Lillard is hitting 30 footers left and right with Giannis doing his thing, that's going to be, Milwaukee is going to be a problem. This is a better on paper. This is a better team than the 2021 team. Fair enough. Uh, Right there again with Damian Lillard uh, guiding the way, could it lead the Milwaukee Bucks to an NBA Finals and a, a chance to go ahead and be on top in the Eastern Conference. We'll wait and see. But again, if you didn't hit the, get the news in detail, uh, Damian Lillard is on his way to the Milwaukee Bucks as part of a three-team trade. Portland will receive Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, Milwaukee's 2029 unprotected first-round draft pick, and unprotected swap rights with Milwaukee in 28 and 30 just to let everybody know from there. The Suns will receive Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. And we will be touching back on this in the coming days. Uh, Go ahead and please check us out continuously here at the Lakers Fast Break. We've got more great team previews, including one on the way in a very short period of time as Magic Band interviews Brendan Nunez, who's going to be talking about the Sacramento Kings and their outlook. And then, of course, We are going to be back on again tomorrow, talking the latest info. We've got two more team previews. Plus, who knows? We might have to come on for another emergency pod as well, guys. So you never know. We're trying to go ahead and be up front with everything that we can. Joe, myself, and Sean, truly appreciate everyone out there. The great comments in our chat, the best Lakers chat room that's out there is the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate the super chat from Darren. Big shout out to one of our best and most appreciated Lakers fans out there from the Lakers Fast Break. But for Joe Sorrell, Magic Man Sean Grice, and me, Gerald Glassford, thanks so much for listening. Truly appreciate it. We'll see you in a little bit with Darren Nunez. And, of course, we'll see you every day leading into training camp right here on the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. 
we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. And we are back with another edition of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. I am your host, Sean Grace, a.k.a. Magic Man. My co-host beside me is Mr. Joe Soro. And we're just tentatively waiting on our uh, special guest, uh, Mr. Brendan Nunez, who's uh, coming to us from the King's Herald, from the King's Pulse podcast, from the Blue Wire Network, occasionally on ESPN 1320 and Sackdown Sports. He's going to talk to us about the Sacramento Kings. Uh, But before that, uh, Joe, uh, what were your impressions the last time we saw the Sacramento Kings walking off the floor after a Game 7 defeat? It looked like a team that was tired. I think they played as well as they could. I think they had an 82-game season that was worth uh, commending, especially considering they hadn't been to the playoffs in, I believe, 17 years, if I'm correct, 16. 2006, I think, was the last time they were in the playoffs. 2006. 2006. 2006. Yes. 2006. So with that, uh, it's unfortunate too because I think they were a Sabona shot away from beating the the Warriors in that series, and that in yes. a lot of ways can be hey, even even harder to swallow. But they they for the first time finally kind of got over that. Okay, we're 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 finally starting to play some some basketball that's worth talking about. And whether they have the right personnel to continue to improve, that's that's still to be debated, I guess. I, I think they're obviously a couple of players away, but what what else can you do, right? What else can you do but try and improve as much as you can? Absolutely. And uh, we welcome in our special guest, Brendan Nunez. Brendan, thank you very much for joining the pod. Yeah, thanks for the invite, guys. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt initially, but no, glad not- to be here. Not at all. Thank you. Uh, so you're coming from us as uh, I believe this is your third year as the credentialed reporter for the Kings. That is correct. Yeah, going into year three already, I guess. That's a, that's a while, man. Do you do you remember like it was yesterday when you got finally got that uh, laminated card and it was like I finally made it. Definitely. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too long ago to not remember for sure. And the team was not very good, so I got lucky that they turned it around pretty quick. Absolutely, absolutely. And we were we were just uh, speaking about that uh, that game seven. Unfortunately, it ended on a sour note for him. Uh, but yeah, uh, first playoff appearance in seventeen years, Brendan. Uh, what were your impressions of? Uh, it seemed like a young, spunky group that uh, looks like they're they've gelled. They finally gelled together. Yeah, obviously the Sabonis and Halliburton swap was a big highlight, and you saw right away in game one that those guys played together, not last year, but the year prior at the deadline, that that duo was going to work. But I think the changes going into this offseason was really bringing in Mike Brown, who ended up winning unanimous coach of the year, I think deservedly so, and all this other shooting. Like Harrison Barnes was already there, but Keegan Murray, who came in and broke the rookie record for made threes, like Kevin Herter, 
shot 40% from three. Malik Monk uh, sat right around 36, but he's a really respected three-point shooter. Like getting that spacing around Fox and Sabonis and implementing Mike Brown's new scheme, specifically an offense that looks pretty similar to Golden State's, it just kind of all worked on that end. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, De'Aaron Fox was also named the uh, the clutch player of the year. He has put in a lot of work to try and be the man. And uh, it's paid off because dis- despite what people want to say, Brendan, all clutch means is that you're willing to take the shot. Sometimes they go in, sometimes they don't. But De'Aaron Fox is willing to take the shots. So my question to you is, uh, we saw in the draft that uh, they got Colby Jones, and uh, I heard you were very high on him. I, I was listening to what you had to say. Do you think he gets much playing time, considering the fact that uh, there's a really deep guard-heavy lineup here? Yeah, as much as I maybe liked Colby Jones at the spot, I, I don't think year one it's the most likely. Now, Mike Brown definitely has a tendency to if he's frustrated with a guy higher in the lineup, he's not afraid to go to the next guy on the bench to get a little bit of energy. So never say never, I guess, but with Kevin Herter, Malik Monk, Chris Duarte, even if you want to look at some of the small forwards, like Kessler Edwards is still on this roster. So, and even Keon Ellis, who is a two way, but has been here last year as well. So I'm high on Colby Jones, but I think it might take a little bit of time. Now, if he impresses in camp, I could see it, but there's a decent amount of, of guard depth, especially after bringing in Duarte. And they've they've also brought in a, a very quiet, like a very nice piece that was like quiet, very under the radar, Sasha Vizenkov. Obviously, a lot of people up in uh, the United States and Canada and the West not f- necessarily familiar with his game, uh, but he's 28 years old. He's a former EuroLeague MVP. How do you see him slotting into uh, the depth there, Brendan? Yeah, he's been playing professional basketball overseas since he was 16, like you mentioned, 28. So the idea is that he can fit in pretty quickly, but just a vague rundown of him, like he shoots the ball amazingly from three. And that gravity was part of what made him EuroLeague MVP last year. And the EuroLeague is in a very, very impressive basketball league. Um, But he shoots the ball amazingly with a really quick trigger. And one thing that got pointed out to me is how efficient he is with his dribbles. Like he's not there, you know, taking a bunch of dribble moves to get into his rhythm. Um, it's just kind of all off the catch. He cuts and moves really well off the ball. Defensively is going to be the question mark. Uh, Mike Brown said on, I think it was the 48 Minutes podcast, like just keeping it real, people are going to try to attack him. And so we'll see if he can hold up in switches. But offensively, I think it's all there. Played in a system that I think will fit really well when he tries to merge and into this Kings one, especially alongside DeMontis Bonus. Uh, Joe, do you have any questions for Brendan right now? Brendan, do you see – I mean, you, you you were a third seed last year, which was pretty damn good considering – I mean, you know, the regular season these days is – in a lot of ways is secondary in, in, in during, during a, a run. Uh, but do you see the Kings being better than last year or do you see them falling back a little now that – you might have a little bit more of the the hunted tag than the hunter or the hunter that came out of nowhere. Yeah, I think that we honestly aren't even going to really know until the postseason. I think it's going to be about are they more equipped for the postseason, kind of to your point, right? But I think regular season-wise, like they're probably going to flirt with right around the same win total. 
I think getting the third seed at 48 wins is an outlier. Like I think when it comes to the standings, I would expect them to, you know, sort of be in the conversation of, okay, we'll just make sure you don't fall into the play in and sort of more so in that range rather than fighting for home court advantage. But it's possible. Like, as you guys know, the West is, is totally loaded. I do think they improved their depth a little bit with Fizenkov and Duarte pretty much replacing Terrence Davis and Chemezi Metu. Um, they like JaVel McGee. I don't particularly like JaVel McGee, but we'll see if there's maybe something there, not as a person, just as a player at this point in his career. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think the continuity has some value, but it's going to be about can you translate that off to a, a quick start while some of these other teams are maybe still adjusting. Absolutely. And Brendan, you will get no disagreement for en- from anybody on this panel about JaVale McGee as a player right now. What were your initial feelings about why they brought him in? Because the, it seems like they have nice cushioning at the center position. They have Dom. They have Alex Len. They signed Nerlens Noel as well. What, what do you think is the kind of the methodology that uh, the coaching staff has with uh, bringing in a JaVale McGee? Yeah, Nerlens Noel was on a non-guaranteed sort of training camp prove-it deal. And so was Namias Keda, who was their two-way last year in G League, like MVP runner-up, but really young, big. And pretty much right when McGee became available, since it took Dallas waving him, they they picked him up and let to, let go of the two other guys. So clearly that means they like McGee more than they liked Noel or Keda. And Alex Len is still on the roster as well, but he didn't play the first 75 of the games last year and then played the final stretch, played the first five games of their postseason, and then the backup center in the final in game six and seven was Trey Lyles playing oh, small man. ball five. And I, I think that there's a lot of people expecting to see more of Lyles at the backup five, but it's really just like 12 minutes that's getting talked about, you know, um, that Sabonis is not out there. It sounds like it's going to kind of be situational between Lyles, Len, and McGee. Okay. Now, uh, it... This player is very interesting to me. He, at times, Mike Brown really liked him. At times, Mike Brown did not like him, and that was Kessler Edwards. Um, he played. He averaged 13 minutes during the year, uh, so he was sprinkled in there as uh, an important bench player. Uh, why did he struggle so much at uh, summer league, Brendan? I think that he's one of those guys that like really needs to be set up by his teammates and almost functions better as the fourth fifth option on offense rather than higher than that where he needs to put the ball on the floor that's just kind of not where he's at um for him he makes his impact defensively like last year he once the kings traded for him right before the deadline he got some opportunity on guys like devin booker anthony edwards um, like demar DeRozan. he's really good at those bigger wings defensively and he found ways to make an impact it's just about like can he hit the wide open three really and that was shaky at times last year and you have to be really confident in it as well. So I think that's kind of all TBD there. And I don't know how much to take from, from summer league. I always struggle with that. At very least you can tell there wasn't a clear leap that he's taken. Absolutely. No, hundred percent. I mean, it, it, um, you know, you don't need a weatherman to know which way the wind blows. Right. And in summer league, it's kind of like, you don't know whether to believe what you're seeing is real or not. So, Absolutely. Uh, before I pass it on to Joe for another question, just 
another former Laker, Brendan, that's uh, really uh, shined a light uh, and really brought some uh, enthusiasm to the, the crowd is Malik Monk. He seems to be like a huge fan favorite. Do you see a long-term future with him and the Kings? Or do you think because of the depth and because of the way the Kings are sort of moving, do you kind of see Malik Monk possibly being a trade piece? I think that everybody loves Malik Monk. Um, fan favorite, I'm sure, in L.A. too. Like, he's just a personality that I think is easy to root for. And he plays with a certain swagger on the court that's just entertaining. And he, of course, has the connection with De'Aaron Fox that everybody loves to talk about. And you can see their synergy on the court as well. Um, his secondary playmaking was essential to the Kings in in the playoff matchup that they had with Golden State. Like, if they were denying... De'Aaron then they needed another guy out there and Malik could do that he could take guys off the dribble and set up for his teammates I do think that Malik is in their long-term plans I think that if that this coming off season when he's a free agent that I'm a little shaky on my numbers here but ballparking they can offer him somewhere around 20 million and annually for a couple years and I think that should be enough and I would guess that even if not i could see them like figuring out other ways to dump some salary in order to keep malik around i think he's been super important to this team he closes games and a big part of the success last year as cheesy as it is is that all these guys really liked playing with each other and had a good time hanging out and off the court as well relationships and i think malik is a big part of that joe uh, do you have any questions for brendan right now this is going to be an interesting setup here this coming season. I I've been hearing some some rumblings about Harris uh, Harrison Barnes' lack of efficiency, let's say, and how this doesn't usually happen. But I'm kind of curious to see if Mike Brown would do this without probably soiling the situation more because I know you know how NBA players are. But I've been hearing that there might be a there's been some talk about. Uh, changing up the starting lineup with Harrison Barnes due to his inefficiency, scoring efficiency, uh, lack of lack thereof of scoring efficiency for uh, Sasha uh, Vezenkov. I always am trying to see. Did I say that right, Vezenkov? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. yeah, and I'm I'm wondering if that has any legs to it. Is that is that something that's realistic, or is it just media fodder that's just trying to get clicks? I think it would take time. I, I think right away, Harrison Barnes is kind of like the vet presence who's, I want to say consistent, but almost like consistently inconsistent. Like he'll have a quarter a game where he gets to the free throw line three times in a row to like slow the pace down. Or he just always, not always, but re often leaves you thinking, okay, that was a really good quarter and then kind of disappears at times. So he, he still does all the little things. And I think there's a lot of value in being a guy that's just kind of good at everything, even if you're not great at any one specific skill. And I think that if Sasha got comfortable, that eventually that could become a conversation, but um, they're definitely, I mean, it stood out how little they played HB in that uh, final games of their postseason. Like he was, he was not getting much playing time. So I could see it, but it would take definitely take a while. So why would they bring that up? Why would that even be brought up? Is that just someone hoping to get some noise out there for it? Like why would why would why would 
the community, the Lake the Kings community, even relate, even even bring that up? Why, if it's not realistic? Yeah, it's probably just being like again how little HB played in the postseason, and then being really excited about Sasha. Um, yeah, I, I hadn't seen too much about that, but I think it would just have to do with like people being really excited about what Sasha could uh, potentially bring offensively. Do you see a future where the Kings could go after a star? I think eventually they will make a big trade for a third guy. Like Money McNair comes from the Daryl Morey tree, their general manager, and pretty much what you see these guys do and exactly what he did with acquiring Sabonis is just wait for the moment to go and trade for an all-star and try to find a moment where another team is maybe a little bit more desperate so you can get a decent deal. Like, you know, OG Ananobi doesn't quite fit like all-star, but I think he was right around there. They seem to be really interested in OG Ananobi this offseason, but they still have all of their draft picks except the one in this coming year that they still um, owe to Atlanta. But they have pretty much every other draft pick sitting there. And some interesting pieces like, you know, if you really were going after a huge third name, I think Keegan Murray could be in the conversation, but that would only be for some of the best guys. They just love Keegan Murray. But Davion Mitchell, like, you know, maybe Malik Monk could be in those conversations, but I think Kevin Herter before Malik Monk. So I think a lot of it would have to do with just draft picks for a guy that's probably on a similar level to like Fox and Sabonis. And then you go for like a three headed snake sort of thing. But I do think they will be very active in waiting for the right opportunity to go get a third guy. I grew up in a town about a mile, uh, hour and a half South of Sacramento. So I was very familiar with the culture of the Sacramento Kings back in the nineties. And even when the Kings were not performing well, they had a huge fan base. And then the Maloofs, obviously made them a little bit more mainstream. And then, of course, they ended up almost destroying Sacramento King basketball until Kevin uh, Johnson saved Kings basketball in Sacramento. So with this drought up until this year, I'm kind of curious because I haven't really delved into it too much. How is the culture? And, of course, I've been away from back home for almost 30 years now. How... How is the fan base there? How is the culture in Sacramento right now when it comes to the Kings? Regardless of this year, I'm, I'm talking maybe in the last like five years. Yeah, I mean, I think it's been like great. De'Aaron Fox will talk about how the fan base was always showing up even when they sucked, to be honest. But like you see other places where that's not really the case. Um, as you know, it's the the major sports team out here. There's no other like there's um, Sac Republic soccer out here and there's a triple a baseball team but really it's it's all kings and there was a period where attendance it wasn't packed every single night right after covid but i think that that was a combination of the team obviously really long drought but also uh, some people being more aware and conscious of being in uh, big stadiums but yeah i mean this last year it's been amazing to see like it's everywhere again when you go around, you know, it's not just like games are packed out and the areas around in downtown after before games, but it's, it was like day to day and the city absolutely loves it. The beam is, is a definitely a fan favorite for sure. And 
the, the fan base has remained loyal. There was a concern for a little while of like, man, it's been 17 years. And at the same time, your neighbors right down the street in the, in the Golden State Warriors are having a literally historic run. Are you going to lose a generation of Kings fans? And, you know, I think that there are definitely some that converted, but they maybe made it just uh, short of a drought, ironically, enough to not have lost a generation. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout, but we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I don't feel like that people have done that as much, especially with this international release. You can get it out there right now. I know you can get it out there, but it, it feels like this time last year, people have just been like, oh, you can get you the Here's cell phone copy, version you know? that was taped somewhere where it's like, you know, <laughs> shell shaky has some dude or some family that's walking right in front of you as they're finding their seat with the popcorn already in hand. No, you know, come that, on, you, really? yeah, that version is already available. Yeah. But I mean, like with a mono I, sound, there you go. Oh God. Yeah. That's, that's the worst part. You only get sound on the left ear, yeah. not the right ear. Something like that. You can find that version already. If you really want to. That's the pop culture Cosmo show. And the PCC multiverse. Catch our shows on worldwide radio seven days a week. And wherever you get your podcasts. I have uh, an additional question off of what uh, Joe was asking you. As far as the fan experience at the arena goes, how would you rate it uh, amongst uh, the other teams? Because we know that, uh, for example, Dallas Mavericks very interactive with their fans um, at home games. The Raptors as well. Um, how would you rate the, the Sacramento Kings' is, um, uh, social media uh, presence with their fans while at the live games? Yeah, on socials itself um... – the social team does a great job, but when it comes to in stadium, like it originally started with Yogi Ferrell, where if Yogi Ferrell made a shot, um, the announcer would say Yogi. And then the whole crowd back together would say Ferrell. And uh, when Keegan got here la- uh, last year, that translated, it was a couple years removed since Yogi had been on the team. And that translated to Keegan. Um, the in stadium PA announcer, Scott Moak just says, you know, two syllables for first and last name and it works. So I guess that worked out for Keegan. That's sort of a fun interaction. Um, outside of that, there's not too much that I can think of when it comes to like in-stadium stuff. I mean, Slamson is very entertaining. They're their mascot. And the players themselves definitely will talk to people in the crowd or or hype up the crowd and things like that. And, and they play a really exciting brand of basketball. I would think just from like, the way the stadium's laid out, I really enjoy it. I think it's pretty on top of the court. It's very state of the art. You know, their owner came from Golden State Bay Area. It's very up to date technologically. So I think it's a, a great experience personally, but I could be a little biased. <laughs> Absolutely. So as we're uh, as we're moving forward here, Brennan, the Kings had one of the most historic offenses we've seen in quite some time, uh, pretty much ever. That's that's what they did. They also had grand luck when it came to health. Uh, They were the healthiest team in the NBA by far. And I think context is important here. The the Kings finished third. The Suns finished fourth. The Kings had the healthiest squad. The Suns had the most starting lineups in, in the NBA. 
So I think context is important here, Brendan, because Phoenix at that time really had a like a veteran squad. They they didn't have a lot of young players in uh, important accountable positions. In this instance, uh, this year, if you think there's an injury or two, um, do you think because of the good drafting and uh, the ability for the Kings to have solid depth that they would be able to survive uh, like a small injury or two? I I think the concerning ones are the same thing that you would say for every team. Like if one of your all-stars goes down, then your backup is maybe not the best. Like some teams, Memphis forever had Tyus Jones, and it's like, okay, well, that's still a solid starting uh, guard as a replacement, but not many teams have that. Like I think backup center would be really concerning, what you'd have to move to there. Um, And Davion Mitchell could fill in for Fox. But, yeah, I mean, they definitely were very healthy last year. The the team would argue that, you know, Damanis Sabonis played months with a broken thumb. De'Aaron dealt with a a hand – issue as well in the postseason that really derailed him like guys had things throughout the course of the season Keegan Murray had something that he was dealing with throughout the year they didn't tell us with until after the year um, so I think guys were dealing with stuff but obviously that happens everywhere in the league and it's just about well it was actually injuries that you could play through which is more than a lot of other places could say so it played a factor I think for sure and if Fox or Sabonis go down it could be a tough spot Sabonis more than Fox in my mind but the rest of the guys, I think they have okay replacements after improving their depth a little bit. Uh, Joe, any other questions for Brendan right now? Interesting stat, little tidbit. I want to see if Brendan knows this. Uh, do you know who the oldest NBA team is ever? Does that mean it's the Sacramento Kings or the they Kansas known, City Kings? They, they were known as the Rochester Sigrams. Sigrams. Founded in 1923. It's a stat that, that not very many people know. I'm sorry. We're we're stat. No, you're good. I'm gonna we, use that. We we retain me, Sean more so than me even. We retain information for absolutely no reason. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't yeah, know we're, where it comes from. Yeah, it's like the rain man of sports. And, man. and again, just... Brendan, I, I can't say this to anyone. One of the beautiful things right. about talking to <laughs> beat writers and people connected with all the NBA teams is I can finally bring right. out stuff that's in my head that I would never bring out anywhere. Little, I mean, especially something like that. I, I just think that's a cool stat, especially considering the NBA didn't really become a league like the way it is now when the BAA and the NBL merged until the late 40s. So I just thought it was a hilarious stat. I'm like, wait a minute, you're telling me the Kings were around 25 years before anyone known as the Rochester Seagrams. That was their original name. And then, of course, it ended up going down into the eventual Rochester Royals, which, by the way, for those who don't know, put a little bit of a, a kink in the Minneapolis Lakers uh, dynasty, if it hadn't been for them in 1951, the the uh, the, the Minneapolis Lakers and George Mikan would have six-peated uh, and, we'd be, and we'd be sitting with 18 titles right now. <laughs> but yeah, used... Hey, it's the Kings' only one, okay? <laughs> yeah. The oldest have... franchise, they have one. I haven't been the golden one, which at the time when I went to that uh, stadium was still Arco Arena. Do they have the Rochester Royals banner up there, buddy? That's any a chance? good question. I they have Oscar's do. number up there, so mm-hmm. they would. 
they would have that banner up there. They've got I Oscar's number. They, they, they have the banner up there. Yes, absolutely. I've never seen it. I have to go see I'm it. I'm going to have to look for that now. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. Again, it's uh, you're talking about 100 years. Yeah. I, I didn't see any 100-year plaques. or. This or is anything. the 100th year, and they are planning on embracing that this year. Oh, see so exactly what that looks like. Yes. Okay, that's good. That's good. I just again, I, I think, uh, I think it's it's something really good to celebrate. And how this year goes, I I don't unfortunately feel very good for the Kings. I think there's there's gonna be a a little bit of a sophomore, and I, I call it a sophomore season for them because yeah. I I feel like last year was just wow. These guys came at the gate and and really played well and of course the, the, the offensive potency is is always going to be good in this uh current culture of the nba but like you were saying if something happens to sabonis or Kieran, uh De'Aaron fox it's going to be a, a major issue in terms of you know trying to replace those guys during the year uh but again uh i need to get i need to make a trip to sacramento to watch a lake again i think i think i might have to do that this year And uh, before we ask you about uh, how you feel that ultimately where the Kings might end up, Brendan, uh, how did you feel about the trade that transpired today? Uh, Damian Lillard heading to the Bucks, and uh, Phoenix gets Grayson Allen, who I saw you were you were kind of uh, touting as you know what he takes enough threes and he makes enough threes where he's a complimentary player for that team again. So I'm wondering, who do you think won the trade, and who do you think ultimately will will regret the trade? I mean, I think that Portland and Milwaukee have got to feel pretty good. Like Milwaukee, I'm I'm just happy the Dame went to the West or to the East, man. All the All Stars are in the West, and it's like not to discredit the East. There's great teams out there, uh, but man, I'm just happy it's even and out a little bit more again, and. That's going to be a great duo to watch. I'm interested to see what their defense looks like because Drew was obviously great there. But Portland, the the picks that they got, I think are interesting. I think getting DeAndre Ayton is good for them, even if he's more money. And then Phoenix's standpoint, it's like, I guess you're just betting that Nurkic is better than Ayton. And you wanted to, you know, pay, I think it's something like 20 million less over the course of that contract, 25 million less over the next three years. And like you said, I think Grayson Allen's okay. Like, Phoenix really needs to figure out what their depth is going to be. And I think Grayson Allen will be in the rotation and maybe like Nasir Little can be something. I wouldn't necessarily bet on that one, but they're going to have to try a lot of different things uh, just with the lack of depth that they have. So West Coast perspective, Portland's going to be bad, but that's the plan, right? That's how this is going to go. I'd like their young core. It'll be interesting to see where Drew goes. And I think Milwaukee's going to be really good. All right. So Phoenix makes a trade. The Lakers made some moves this offseason, Brendan. Denver basically stand, stood pat. Where do you ultimately see the Kings lining up in this Western Conference? Because it it's really stacked. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, I think that all these teams, specifically like the Pacific Division, right? It's like last year they finished 2-6. to six every single one of them. And it's like, I don't even know how to order these teams when it comes to postseason, I would still favor, I, I think golden state and LA, the Lakers over the Kings, just from the experience, really just having 
some of the all-time players, right? And Phoenix too, I'm interested to see what Phoenix looks like and how they all mesh. Again, I think that the Kings are going to be sort of in like the four, five, six, and you know, could be up to three again, but I would guess somewhere between four to six or seven, even. And that could mean they're a better team, but with a worse record, if they can take a round in the in the postseason and then get onto that next round, which I think they're going to be a little bit more equipped to do. It's just about like, can they be better defensively? They were horrible on defense last year. And they didn't do much to get better. They were just planning on being a lot more physical. And not just that, I'm sure. But, you know, the roster's fairly much, pretty much the same. So not exactly sure where that improvement's going to come from. And until then, I'm kind of more likely floating in like four to six range. All right. Now, uh, as we move on, Brendan, uh, we always ask our guests uh, when they come on, how do you feel about the Lakers this year? Uh, the Lakers finished in seventh place as a plan uh, entrant. They finished in last place in the Pacific Division, but they were the last team that survived. Uh, how do you feel they will do this year? I think they're pretty good. I'm a big Gabe Vincent guy. You know, he came up from uh, the Stockton Kings originally, so they like to throw that one out there a lot. And Austin Reeves, man, I'm I'm – buying what they're selling. I, I think that there is a jump coming. I think that he played well for USA basketball and really we just saw him. I mean, you guys saw as well better than I did that he started taking that jump last year, really. And I, I think that's there. Like the team really was clicking by the time they were going into the postseason. really since they made those trades. I think Vanderbilt is a really solid player for the Lakers and it was good to get him on that extension. Like Torian Prince could be an okay rotational piece. And after that, like, you know, I, I liked Max Lewis at the time of the draft. That's going to take some time for sure. I didn't love the Jalen Hood Shafino signing, but we'll see what that ends up becoming. And it, it's really just this team is still as talented as it gets. Like I grew up a Celtics fan and learned at one point in my life to stop betting against LeBron James. And I, still hold that belief especially when he's got anthony davis next to him and actually the right complementary pieces like they they you know just leaned back into shooting a little bit so in the context of what milwaukee did how do you feel they stack up now with the boston celtics because um there's some scuttlebutt around that uh, you know you could flip flop either one who do you think is the the better team uh, how do you think those two teams stack up right now yeah, it's interesting because they both kind of got a wrench thrown in there, right? With Porzingis going to Boston and now Dame to Milwaukee. But not only that, Milwaukee also has a new head coach coming in. So I think just with there being more change, I'll lean towards Boston. But it is kind of a coin flip. Like, I think the Celtics have been right there on the doorstep for a long time. And it's kind of just a matter of time. But if Milwaukee makes it click, man, that that's a dangerous team. It's just going to be about like perimeter defense, but maybe that doesn't matter as much when you have Giannis and, and Brooke Lopez waiting back there. So I'd give it to Boston slightly, but Milwaukee with like a clear one B. All right. What's going to happen here guys is, is Giannis is not going to have to play both hard, both ways. And I think that's what ended up killing 
Budenholz on in Milwaukee is I think he was trying to preserve, and this happened before in the past. I remember, well, if you guys watched the the Last Dance, I, I believe uh, Gary Payton had explained this that George Carl didn't want him on Jordan and decided to finally put him on Jordan in Game Four, and they ended up winning Game Four and Game Five. They lost obviously in six, but those first three games decided not to put the Defensive Player of the Year on Jordan and. Milwaukee made that same mistake, not clamping on the Jimmy Butler with Giannis because for whatever reason, maybe Budenholzer wanted to save him for offense, which I think is just utterly stupid. And it's an ego-driven decision. It just seems to happen a lot in the NBA. The players get saddled with this ego thing. A lot of times these coaches are even worse. And by getting Dame now, you could put Giannis on anyone. And he doesn't have the burden of having to score on every position, every possession when, when the when the offense is is rolling. So that's some of the stuff that I've figured out here very shortly here with this trade. That should there not be any injuries to Middleton and Portis and those guys, just like in any other team, this team is going to be very scary. And even if Porzingis has a good season, I still believe Milwaukee will take. Boston out because I think that Milwaukee has is spread out too well. They they have perfect players and and they complement all these guys' games. And for us as Laker fans, the issue now is we we have to start start thinking about Milwaukee. If we get past Phoenix, Denver, whomever, this is now going to be a problem because I don't look at just conference teams. I worry about the the, the other side because you don't win the finals. It's to me, I don't look at finals appearances as anything. And that's just my curse. I don't, I don't put any, any stock in making it to the finals. I, every time I've tried to talk myself into saying, Hey, they made it to the finals quickly. The other part of my mind is like, shut up. You, you know what? (laughs) They lost. You don't win at all. It doesn't mean anything. If you ain't first, you're last. Right. <laughs> All right. Any other questions for uh, Brendan Joe? No questions. I do have comments. I do have a comment. Uh, I, I, as a Sacramento King hater for years, uh, I, I actually do have a soft spot for the Kings recently because of the fact that they haven't had a lot of success. So when they were playing well last year, I did have a little bit of a soft spot saying, well, Finally, those guys up in up yeah. in the north are finally getting something after all the the BS they had to deal with, and I I was on their side. It, it flipped when I found out what the Maloofs were doing, and I thought that was the typical, you know, every everything we talk about and 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 the current culture. It's like it was such a it was such a uh, unfortunate, obvious move on their part to try to get the Kings out of Sacramento. After all that time, you heard all the fake, oh, well, we, this is Sacramento, and this is this. And as soon as something went wrong, boom, they wanted to take advantage of, of, of everyone in that city. And is Kevin Johnson still regarded as somebody good up there? I know that he's had some off-the-court issues, but I, I, haven't, I haven't really been following that. Yeah, he's kind of a complicated conversation because of some of that off the court stuff, but definitely was a big part in, in keeping the city here while he was a mayor. And um, 
yeah, there's a there's a good documentary, a thirty for thirty that actually never got released. It's I think it's out there at this point, but like in unreleased form. And a lot of that had to do with because a lot of it was centered around Kevin John and that became a hot topic. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but do you think that there was and I'm not gonna elaborate into too much detail here. I just wanted to kind of find out because I, I don't hear anything. And when you don't hear anything, you're kind of curious on why, right? If this was such a big deal, why isn't there more information on it? And then you just told me something I didn't know, which I didn't know they had a 30 for 30 that's not been released yet. But do you feel that there were some angry people, you know, in terms of Kevin Johnson doing what he did? And like most of these high profile people behind the scenes, maybe sabotaged them a little bit. I honestly have no clue and was not around when it originally was happening, but I have realized there's some people that uh, definitely have very strong feelings about him, but that's it kind of just all secondhand from my perspective right now. I just thought the timing was interesting. Yeah. Uh, But to your point of like, um, you know, rooting for the Kings or like having a soft spot last year. I think that most of the league did because it was 17 years of being a laughing stock, really. And I'm interested to see how long that lasts. Like, I think Warriors fans already could care less because they got back into some back and forth probably with Kings fans during the postseason. But I don't think that like soft spot that a lot of people have lasts for too long when you become decent again. No. No, it doesn't. Uh, at the end of the day, you're right, Brendan. It's it's 30 teams, and they all want to smash each other. Uh, nobody nobody wants to see the other one succeed over them. So you're right, 100%. Uh, you know, we appreciate you dropping by, man. We really do. It's been a great conversation. And so at this point in time, uh, please let our audience know where and when they can find you because uh, I'm a big fan of the the King's Pulse. It's a, it's a great listen. And uh, where can else can our audience find your work? Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Um, just started writing for Sacktown Sports, 1140 out here, and then podcasts would be king's pulse and the king's beat but thanks again for having me on guys good time thanks appreciate it appreciate you coming on this was great and looking forward to more in the future here especially since we play you guys four times a year i think we're gonna be seeing each other a lot (laughs) and maybe maybe next maybe next year there's a chance that the kings make a run again and maybe this time they they meet the lakers in the in the playoffs that's always going to be a good series regardless just because of the the nostalgia of yes. north versus south so yeah there's still hard feelings out here from the fans oh, I, sure. I don't i don't blame i don't blame anybody for that uh i know that there's been discussions about game six and i'm not yeah i'm not naive to deny that there was a weird things going on because there was information that came out However, well to there, be fair doug christie will tell you well if we would have just made our free throws because they missed so many free throws. i do remember that and, and that played a huge part in why you guys didn't win game seven but i i do have to always mention that game five was just as bad as game six in terms of officiating and I always say, if no one believes me, just watch the last shot Kobe tried to make. Bobby Jackson pulls his jersey out of his shorts and no call is made. And that was just one play. So part of getting together with the Kings fan base is to remind them. And this is something, <laughs> again, Sean and I do because everybody looks at their 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 tunnel vision stuff, right? 
there's no doubts funny things happen in game six, but people forget game five. I remember very vividly. Now, you can say home court played a part because that's usually why it's important to have home court. But at the same time, I mean, come on, there was some blatant stuff going on and it shouldn't happen either way. But, uh, yeah, looking forward to talking to you again, Brendan. Hopefully uh, we can learn more about what's going on in Sacramento. I'll be I'll be up uh, around that area here in a couple of weeks. So, I don't know, maybe uh, I have to go by there and see what's going on. Yeah. Well, thanks again for having me, guys. Sure. Glad to do it. Absolutely. And with that, we'll bid adieu to the uh, Lakers Fast Break audience. Appreciate everybody stopping by. And, again, please check out Brendan's work. Great guest. And thank you, everybody. Have a good night. Thanks for tuning in. That's all I got. <laughs>